Neighborhood Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. Good morning, friends. Uh, how's everyone doing this morning? Great. We got we got we got uh, we got donuts. Um, we bought enough donuts, I think, for like seventy-five people, um, so Yuli can have as many donuts as he wants today. <laughs> He's in kids' church. Well, that means more for us. He's not going to use many donuts today. That's true. All right. Uh, my name's Chris. If we have not met, I am one of the pastors here. And I have good news and bad news, and they're both the same. The person who was supposed to lead worship this morning forgot they were supposed to lead worship this morning. And so that person, Steve Hamlin, is at home, and he lives in Duluth. So he, uh, once he realized he couldn't get your time. So um, that means um, you get me singing for about a half hour. So, yeah, <laughs> warm it up, right? Um, and so, sadly, we're not going to have any. Uh, we're not going to have any music today. So, um, I, which means we're probably not going to have a five-minute break because I would just talk for like two minutes about our announcements and then have a five-minute break. And I only do that if I need an excuse because I forgot something. And I'm actually really prepared today. So uh, I know I put it over there. So um, we do have a couple announcements. Um, we had our uh, event in Duluth, uh, Queering Faith, last. Wednesday, and it wasn't so bad, was it? It was great. Yeah, it was really good. Um, and so we continue to do those uh, once a month as just a different way to connect. Like, uh, we, I was going to say, you know, because here we do music, except today, all right? Uh, and we have sacraments once a month, and we uh, will pray, and, um, and I'm a big fan of, of all those things, but uh, those services are much more of a place like the process. It's an open conversation, um, and um, we're going to be doing it on what up, Weaver? Uh, on January 11th is our next one, and it's called Failibration. We spend so much time in January uh, celebrating, like, our goals, and we're going to get jacked, and we're going to be economically sound. We have all these, like, big plans on, like, how we're going to succeed, and those are good and positive. I am a fan of all those. Um, but for, at least for me, um, if I was ever going to write a book, it's going to be called Move It Twice because that's the only way I know how to do things, right? I have to do everything twice because I don't learn the first time. Um, and so it's called Failibration. We're going to be bringing people in, and it's going to be like an open mic of where um, Sarah's going to come and confess her deepest, darkest secrets and share about how through those failures that we can actually, like, um, we grow. And so I had one person, like, get really, really, I thought they'd be here, really nervous and they're like, does everyone have to get up and share? And I said, yes, absolutely. Uh, and you, you don't. Um, you can, you can uh, share something that happened last week, share something that happened uh, from 10 years ago. And the whole point is and then we, um, uh, we would affirm that person. It's like a call and response. It's going to be different. I won't lie, but it's going to be uh, really good. Weaver, are you, do you know that you're eating a gluten-free donut right now? Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> Just wanted to, give you, wanted to give you the heads up. And then um, also, we have Christmas Eve coming up, and we're doing our services at 2 and 4 uh, p.m., and it is uh, usually really 
uh, packed. It's usually really full. We get rid of the tables. And so we do two services so we don't have to be um, touching each other the entire time because that's usually how busy it is. And I'm not a big fan of, like, having to touch people. So um, that's why we do uh, multiple. <laughs> see you, bud. Thanks. For <laughs> I got to wave goodbye. All right. See you, Theo. That was really great. See you, man. Um, and then also, if you would like to give, we are here because we have people who uh, so generously give uh, each and every month, and we call those people our sustaining members. And sustaining member means you just give X amount of dollars X amount of times um, over the course of a year, so then we can plan our budget uh, accordingly. So for those of you who just walked in, Winter Family, uh, we are not doing any music today uh, because uh, Steve Hamlin uh, decided to uh, take a nap today, so uh, he forgot. So we are going to be... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's all right. It's how it works. This is what I like about our church is like, like we're a real church. I sometimes have to convince people that we're a real church. Uh, but we uh, only want to do things uh, on purpose and with purpose. And if it doesn't, it's not in the cards that week, then it's not in the cards that week. And we can still connect. I still think the most sacred thing we can do is uh, connect. And that's why we spend, we never start church on time. Uh, because people are talking, right? It's, it's true. We don't, I don't start if people are actually having uh, a good time. And so um, if you like, how did I, I don't even know how I got on that. If you'd like to give, go back to that. That's the important part. We've got to keep the lights on. You can do that at neighborhoodchurchmn.org, or you can, um, you, there you, you can find ways to give. You can text give. Uh, and if here, we have a little brown box uh, in the back. All right. So, Adia, we are starting because there's no five-minute break today. I'm sorry. Uh, but any point, for those of you in the, in, in the place, uh, you can get up and get coffee or get uh, donuts. It does not bother me. You know what, what I prefer when I talk is that people would, like, talk back to me. Or, like, I like it when people laugh or I like when people criticize me. Whatever you want to do, I'm open uh, for all of it. So we are in our second week of our um, Advent series. And Advent is this time of uh, where there's these uh, prophets, and they have this, like, um, they have this, like, uh, ability to, to know this promise of this God. And God said there's going to be this uh, Messiah. There's going to be this Savior. There's going to be this whole new way of being human and operating and calls it the kingdom of God. And it goes hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of where people know that this is coming, but they're waiting for it. And from generation to generation, they keep reminding each other. They're um, connecting with each other, and they're all like in anticipation. In Advent, we use the uh, metaphor of night, that we are waiting for the day to come, we're waiting for the light to come, and um, while we're waiting, we're awake, right? And that's what Advent is. It's a time of being in this darkness, but not going to sleep. We're in anticipation of what is to come. And in that waiting, right, there we can still be fully alive. And today, we are talking about holy. And I thought about this th this morning when I was trying to think of what I'm going to call it. And the title of the message is, um, Who Wants to Get Holy? Right? Words, you want to kill a party? Quickly. Just say, who wants to get holy? Right? Because, like, if, I, if we, like, took a survey of, like, top five things you want to be or do or experience in your life, holy or holiness is not going to make the top 20. Right? And we all like the idea of it. Right? We'd be like, oh, you know, that's good. But we said, all right, Michelle, let's get really, really holy. We'd be like, No. And why is that? It's boring. Exactly. The idea of holy, we think of, it is. It's not like, it's not like get you all jacked up, right? It's like someone goes, hey, we're going to have a really holy time. You're like, oh, I, yeah, I, I, I got the black lung. I can't show up. Sorry, right? 
And why is that? Like, why, Valdez, do we, like, we hear holy and we want to, like, abstain from it? Because the way holiness has been um, sold to us is a lack of something, right? It's like um, I was raised in an evangelical youth group where, um, oh, what's the word? Not body shaming. It's the same thing. Purity culture, right, uh, was prevalent. And what was told to us uh, on a very regular basis is like, oh, you got to be holy. And to be holy meant that um, our bodies cannot experience any kind of pleasure. You couldn't even think about your body being of something of value or use or good. Right? It was just like, abstain from it, and then you're holy. Well, as you're a teenager, everything inside of you is saying, I think I want some pleasure. And it's like, no, no, no. I have to convince myself that I don't, right? Because I want to stay holy. And, like, the idea of um, holiness is that we just remove ourselves, right? Of like, oh, I didn't stab anyone today. I don't swear. I, you know, I, I didn't think about, you know, yelling. Or I didn't yell at my kids. I thought about yelling at my kids, right? And then we think, oh, then I am good. And it couldn't be further from the truth. Um, in Isaiah chapter 6, it says, um, Isaiah is like telling of this, um, this story, essentially, right? He has this vision. I don't know if he licked a toad. I don't know if he was like on some good vibes, but he has this like projection of what, it, what happens and what it looks like in human terms of when divine love or the holy other or God um, is interacting with um, other creatures, Right? And it goes into this really, really uh, rabbit hole. If you want to, like, yeah, I know, you're welcome for this. If you want to, like, have some fun, right, there is um, organizations, I think you could call them, right, that make a ton of money off of reinterpreting Isaiah. And they have weekly radio shows, and I'm one of those people that I actually listen to them because I find it really entertaining. And they take, like, oh, this big caterpillar in the in Isaiah is like really all the tanks in China they're being organized over. anyone else know of this okay Dietrich yeah, yeah I know you would all right uh, if you really want to have a lot of fun then you can go there um, but we're not talking about that we're talking about Isaiah chapter 6 and it says um, there there's like God at the center and around them are these cherubims or these angels and they say holy 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 is the Lord Almighty your presence fills the earth, right? This holiness, then, is not a lack of something. This holiness is the fullness of something. It's the fullness of the human experience. It's the fullness of love. It's the fullness of joy. And it's, it, it's everywhere. And the word holy here, right, is the Hebrew word kadosh, right? So they're saying kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. And if that's true, right, if, 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 if this holiness fills the earth and it's the fullness of something, that means this kadosh moment, this holiness, this fullness is everywhere. And we can interact with this, and, and we do interact with it all the time. We're just not always aware. There's like, the, the, the holy means, um, people use it like, um, well, it's um, totally separate, right? That's, I think that's a poor translation. To me, it's the holy other, right? The wholeness of what could be is what God is. And we are moving towards that, and we're trying to experience it, and we bump into it everywhere. Example, uh, when my 17-year-old was an infant, uh, we would scare him a lot, right? We'd like jump, boo! We'd jump in front because he would go, Hoo! and then he would cackle. He'd do a Denny Sauter cackle, <laughs> right? And we um, videotaped it, and uh, we, still, we still watch it, and we still laugh, right? No one watches a movie of a baby laughing and says, that's stupid. He should get a job, right? 
Nobody just is like, yeah, scroll through it. There's some sort of joy, right? That's like, that's a kadosh moment, right? Um, when you were at a wedding, I could do a lot of weddings. Um, I sound like a humble brag. That's not such a brag, but I do a lot of weddings. And one of my favorite parts is I get to watch um, the bride walk down. And when they make that corner, I will watch the, their partner and the look in their face when they see their partner coming down, it's, it's holy. It's kadosh, right? And there's, everyone in that room is experiencing the same thing. No one says, like, hey, hurry it up. Let's go, all right? Like, you recognize, right, either you're polite or you recognize this is a holy moment. Um, I'm going to quote uh, Rob Bell twice, which I really try avoiding doing it more than once. But um, he did this whole tour called the Holy Shift Tour. And he gave a speech uh, or he talked. It was, it was brilliant. And what he talked about this is in those kadosh moments, he talks about putting a circle around it. Like when you bump into the, that, that holiness, you put a circle around it as a way of saying, we're not going to enter into this. We're going to let it be what it is. We're going to experience it. We're going to take it in. And we don't need to change it or add to it or edit it. We can just let it be exactly what it is because it's holy. And I love that. But we often miss out on um, what holiness or those kadosh moments are. We like to think that it's um, always happy, or it's joy, or it's contentment, or it's rest, or it's something inspiring us. But like one of my um, moments I thought of uh, is in high school, I my friend and classmate, um, his dad had a tragic accident. And um, I remember when I heard, we went into this room, as classmates, and we just sat, and we cried, and we had our feelings, and I, like, we were saying something not out loud, but we all thought, dads don't die, right? Like, our friends, our dads don't die. Like, other people's, like, in other towns, their other friends, like, that happens, but not here, and I remember sitting and just not knowing what to do. It's like a bunch of kids right? We were 17. A bunch of kids all of a sudden like, oh, this is what life is. I remember, I remember standing with my friend and we were doing a play. My dad would put on musicals and it was around that same time and um, we were, it was me and my friend and Jenna Willie and we were in like this hallway because you're supposed to come out and, and like do this big like song and dance. We're all supposed to be happy and my friend looked out at the, the audience, and, um, <clears throat> and he said, um, I keep looking out to see my dad. and He's not going to be there. And we all looked at each other, and we had this, like, this collective moment. Richard Rohr calls it the naked now. Of my friend was as honest and vulnerable and fully himself as he could be. And that is a holy moment, right? That is a kadosh moment. And, we, and I, bring, I bring this up because I, I think we do ourselves a disservice because the real, that was the real him, right? He couldn't have been more true to who he was. And the real you is never a threat to a good life or to a good God. And it's that full, like, swath of the human experience, that all of it is kadosh. All of it belongs. And I think that we can, 
we, we can miss out of, like, we will avoid pain, we'll avoid being honest. And grief is part of the human experience. And so in our reading today, uh, of Luke introduces um, pain in a really awkward way, <laughs> honestly, right? And he brings up this character that no one else brings up, and it's his name's Simeon. Can anyone remember? Does anyone know who Simeon is? Right? Do you, you guys do? Oh, okay, I like, I heard my brother give a message on this like 10 years ago, and it's, I still think about it a lot. Um, Simeon's just some dude. He's, there's no songs about Simeon. There is, he's not in most, not in nativity scene that I've seen. And there's just this random story that Luke, for whatever reason, wants to highlight. He wants to center this man to tell a bigger story. And it's Luke. Luke chapter 2, verse 22. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of law required, Simeon took him in his arm and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the, fa the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too, Mary. So this is an, an odd story because Simeon has this promise, this prophecy he hears from God that he's not going to die until he sees the Messiah which I thought of, this is like the reverse Weekend at Bernie's. Right? You guys remember Weekend at Bernie's? Of where they keep the, the dead guy alive and like pretend, like this is like, he's like, I can't die. Unless you're the Messiah, I can do whatever I want, right? He could be great at parties. So he is convinced that he won't die until he sees the Messiah. So what does he do? He keeps showing up, right? How many babies did Simeon see? How many times he goes to the temple knowing that that's where the parents are going to bring the firstborn and dedicate? He, I imagine he had to show up a couple 13, 14 times. And why? Because he actually believes in what God told him to be and told him to do, which is, is interesting because I think we all could like, you know, if we had a whiteboard and we said, hey, what are the things you feel like would be the best for you to do? What things should you start doing? What things should you stop doing? And how should you, like, you know, integrate your life into these practices? We, we all know what those things are for us, right? Like for me, I had a knee injury this um, summer. I started running again. And um, I ran yesterday and ran, you know, three miles. No big deal. And uh, it's like I ran three miles for the first time in a long time. And I got on the scale. And I'm like, I should have lost, what, 50 pounds? That's not how it works, Right? That's in my head. I'm like, this is stupid. I, why am I doing this? I don't see any change. One time. This is my ignorant brain, right? But I got, I got really frustrated. It's like, well, pff, I'm shutting this down. Time to eat Jack's pizza, right? We, we do this so often of, like, we don't see the results right away. We don't get instant gratification, so we bail. And here Simeon keeps showing up. There is there's a power in showing up that we don't often celebrate, Right? 
the ability to keep going again and again and again. I, you can call it karma. You can call it the golden rule, treating people the way you want to be treated, like whatever energies in this universe. I firmly believe that whatever we want to experience, we have to be willing to be it ourselves, right? I, I got asked to um, help out with something in the last couple weeks that I was not really jacked about doing. Nikki's like, why don't you just don't do it? I'm like, this is one of those things where you show up. You just show up. And why? Because in that situation, I sure hope other people would show up for me, right? And this is what Simeon does. He holds on to this promise. So finally, he sees Jesus. He sees the Messiah. He has this kadosh moment. He goes in this song, and the song is um of that there's going to be salvation. Other translations use sal- salvation for all, not just the Hebrew people, but everyone gets in on the salvation. And I love talking about this as a reminder that salvation in the Hebrew Bible, I don't even say the Bible itself, is never about your soul. Salvation is not about your soul. Salvation is not about some distant reality. Salvation is always in the dirt. Salvation's always in blood and guts. Salvation is always about feeding the hungry, sitting at a table, making sure there's heat in someone's house, that there's equity and there's justice. Because then he goes on to say, he goes, through this Jesus, through this Messiah, there's going to be the, um, the, the rising and the falling of many so that the, the, the hearts of men can be exposed, right? What does that mean, rising and falling? It means there's going to be pain. The rising, and Mary's song talks about ra- r- r- um, taking the poor and the hungry and uh, the marginalized out of the mud, and then those, the beautiful people and the systems that we made where they benefit the most, saying they're going to be brought down. Why? So the hearts of humans can be exposed. But he ends this in a very, very weird way. He says, oh yeah, and Mary, there's going to be like a sword through your heart too. Simeon could have said whatever he wanted, right? He already got the point across. He could have said, and Mary, blessed be, high five. Instead, he goes, oh, by the way, Mary, there's going to be a sword through your heart, meaning this. Anytime you have a, a, a system that is rooted in divine love, anytime you have a, a, a way of being that is grounded that the humanity of Cody is holy, Right? And it is bumping up against a system or a kingdom that's about power and control, right? When those two clash, there's going to be pain. There's going to be violence of some sort. There's going to be pushing back against because that's what love does. And he's saying there's going to be a stirring. There is going to be an age to come, and it's going to come at a cost, including you, Mary which I love because Luke is not just foreshadowing to the cross. He's foreshadowing of any time there's transformation, there's going to be pain. And we like to think that we can have, um, uh, we, we can have some sort of transformation, a, a void of pain, a void of stress, or a void of having to work harder, right? So for example, anytime you hear like a miracle story, how many times is it like, I was just like walking through my day and whoa, there's a miracle, Right? Usually, it's, I was at my lowest, I was at a hard spot, I was having my feelings, and then this person showed up, or I got this text, or I got blah, blah, blah. It's somehow you were, like, elevated out of that state of mind. Why? Because where does God live? At the end of the rope, right? You guys heard that before? Like, 
transformation in your life, I imagine if we sat down and said, hey, where are the times where you had like the most like transformation? It's probably met with some sort of pain or resistance and you were able to pivot out of that. Meaning this, in this Advent time, you have to be awake. We want to, like, when we hear or feel any kind of resistance, we want to, like, self-medicate, we want to avoid, or maybe we just want to shut it down, we want to take a nap. Like, Simeon hears God, right? It says, go to the temple. You have to be awake to hear the nudge from the universe. You have to be engaged with your body, engaged with what's around you, be able to move and actually do something about it. In Christmas, I imagine there's a lot of pain, like, and a lot of stress from family, missing family, maybe financial, right? Like, maybe there's financial stress. Maybe there's, like, expectations of what you hope it to be and you know you're not going to get it. You don't need to avoid that pain. And why? Because in that pain can be a kadosh moment. In that that waiting, there can be a holiness. I promise, I'd quote Rob Bell twice, and to be faithful to it, this is what he, he said this in a different tour. When we suffer, often our first instinct, our first impulse, is we want answers, and we want them now. And that longing and desire is driven by, if I just had a black and white, clear-cut explanation as to why it would perhaps fix this pain that I'm holding, that I don't quite know what to do with. But in my experience... I don't know if explanations and answers are ultimately what help us heal. Why did that particular cell mutate that way? Why did that car hit that patch of ice? Why did that person's heart becoming hard in that way? Would a clear explanation of, the, of that reality help a person begin the long, slow road of putting one foot in front of the other and begin to heal and imagine a new tomorrow? There is an absolute universal truth that I know for sure, and it is this. When we suffer, this too will shape us. And I saw that this week, and it was really, at least for me, it was really inspiring. We can do hard things, right? You have done hard things, you continue to do hard things. But let's not miss out on that kadosh, let's not miss out on on that holiness in those experiences. Stay awake, because there will be good things coming in the future. I do believe that. But there's absolutely beautiful things happening now. So let's pray. Please join me. Let's pray. So God, we love you. And I thank you that the real me, the real us, is never a threat. Never a threat to a good and beautiful life. Man, it really feels like it at times. That whole idea of the the naked now, how we want to avoid... (laughs) being our fullest selves because we're afraid of what it might cost. So I ask God that you help us be able to shed that lie. Help us not to go into the dark to, to numb ourselves or to go to sleep that we can stay fully awake and be present in the midst of hard things, in the midst of beautiful things so we don't miss those kadosh moments. And so I ask, Holy Spirit, that we would even uh, awaken our senses to be able to see those nudges, to hear those prompts, those invitations to experience those holy, those good and beautiful things. And for my friends who are in pain, who are in loss, 
God will bring salvation. Not just to our souls, but salvation this Christmas season, as in having friends and having family and bringing purpose and bringing hope because we need it. We love you. Amen. All right. The same shtick as every week. I am here until the lights are off. If you'd like to pray or you'd like to process or you have questions, um, I'd love to do that. And you can have a couple 13, 14 more donuts. Thank you. Thank you.